This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. The PGA Tour is back, and so is At The Turn. Hello. Welcome into another edition. I'm Joe. Nick, did you get a haircut? I did. I got my first uh, quarantine haircut. Ashley gave it to me, and uh, we were going through like the, the wall, like the, the brand that makes the, all the clippers. They've got tutorials for home haircuts for like seven different styles, so I just like picked the longest style haircut knowing that if something went wrong we could always <laughs> we could always just buzz it later and uh yeah it turned out all right so uh, i think i have a new uh stylist i mean for folks you, you just need to know you're wearing a hat right now so <laughs> i don't want to throw your wife under the bus i love ashley to death but come on for a while though it, it, it was long it was as long yeah. as it's been since college like it was like sticking out over the ears kind of fanning out a little bit starting to curl in some weird some weird places so uh yeah That's Joe, golf this yeah. if if my math is correct this is the 68th episode of at the turn and i'm willing to bet this is the first charles schwab challenge recap <laughs> it most definitely is this is the first pga tour golf that has been played since the first round of the Players' Championship. I was trying to think the last time golf was played. They actually played the first round of the Players' Championship, and they called the whole thing off because Rudy Gobert tested positive for COVID. They shut down the NBA, and everything kind of followed suit from there. So the just, first just to touch back to that day, put that into context a little bit. I'm, like, sitting on my couch one day in March, and all of, like, the championship games of the NCAA basketball conference tournaments are being canceled. The NBA cancels the rest of its season and the pga tour tweets out a video of like four thousand people packed their chain smokers concert for the players championship and i'm like oh my god this is so tone deaf but a nice a nice rebound for the pga tour here yeah good job florida so they're back they're in texas they're playing it so it's called the charles schwab challenge you think all right is this a senior tour event no they renamed the tournament at colonial so it's one of the most storied country clubs and golf courses they play in the PGA Tour. So big-time venue and a huge field. That's usually a pretty good field, but considering this is the first PGA Tour event that they had in three months, you had Phil, you had Rory, you had DJ, two of those guys, not a factor at all. Rory played okay. The winner was Daniel Berger. And, Nick, this was a very exciting tournament, I think, start to finish. Maybe not the finish finish, but up until the final putt, it was a great event. 
Daniel Berger wins. It's his third PGA Tour win. The first time he's won an event, not the FedEx St. Jude Classic. That was Those were his first two wins. He beat Colin Morikawa in a playoff. Morikawa was so solid the entire round. He has to birdie the 72nd hole to win in regulation, gets it to six feet, and then misses the putt, gets into a playoff. Berger's in for par. Morikawa has four feet to extend the playoff. Horseshoes out. Daniel Berger is your champion. Tragic stuff, Nick. I could not believe those putts missed. Also, the Xander Shoffley putt on the 17th hole as well. Like It looked like Xander for most of the day today was probably going to win this tournament or be in the playoff. He fought back with some crazy like 30-foot bogey putt on 15, I believe. Birdie's 16, and then inexcusably misses that three-footer on 17. Um, yeah, it was, it was weird because there was some holes where like everybody was making putts and then some holes where everybody was missing putts. The 18th hole, they had that montage of all those guys who missed putts that would have got them to minus 15. You had Bryson, Justin Rose, putts that looked so good that just barely missed. So it was uh, – the whole leaderboard was so good and it was so packed and there was so many – exciting putts and meaningful shots it was uh it was good entertainment for me for for four hours today yeah it was really good entertainment it's one of those tournaments where ultimately it kind of leaves me wanting a little bit more because you know no offense to Dana Berger but it's his third PGA Tour win and you have a lot of those guys you just mentioned who had a chance to win didn't and you kind of have a ho-hum champion Colin Morikawa if you're unfamiliar with him very young player he's won the PGA Tour before this would have been his second he has made 21 consecutive cuts to start his PGA Tour career. Tiger made 25 consecutive <clears throat> cuts to start his PGA Tour career. So by July, he could have broken a record by Tiger Woods, which is pretty damn impressive. It sucks the way he kind of, I mean, gave it away is harsh. To miss that putt on the 72nd hole and then have to go play a playoff. I mean, his tee shot was bad on the playoff hole. His second shot was whatever. He hit a good chip and missed a putt. It, it was a bummer. I, 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 I was pulling for Morikawa. It was, yeah, I was too. It, w- it was an anticlimactic finish, but it didn't really take away from the experience for me just because, I mean, Daniel Berger, it's, it's interesting. They pointed out those, those FedEx, uh, tournaments that he won were also that fell in the same week of June. So all three of his wins have been in the same week on the calendar, which is, I don't know, kind of random, kind of a trend. Right keep that time. in mind for 2021. <laughs> yeah. For the, for the 2021 U.S. Open, he could be a, a good pick, but. No, it didn't really take away from the tournament for me, even though I wasn't pulling for him per se. Um, it was still an exciting finish. And when you have a, a putt that's, you know, do or die, it doesn't really matter the outcome. It's, it's exciting. So I want to get to Xander, but not right now, because I know you're bursting at the seams to talk about your boy. Mm. I came up with a nickname, and I haven't seen this used yet. So Bryson, if you have not seen him, he's added 30 pounds of muscle. He looks insane out there. Bryson DeChambro. I don't think so. And I, I, I don't think he's a bro. I, I don't think he's. I mean, he's not in the club. No, he because his attitude toward golf is the polar opposite of Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson, the super bros of golf. Those guys exactly. don't give a shit about golf. They just happen to be really good at it. And Bryson DeChambeau cares about everything about golf and changed his body in a way that is really strange. And I don't know if it's just because I'm not used to seeing him with that much muscle or if it's I'm not used to seeing him with that much muscle coupled with his swing, which is always sort of like it reminds me of you ever see those 
robot things. Swing testers. Swing testers, exactly. It reminds me of that. It's almost like inhuman or like a subhuman way of swinging a golf club. It's very robotic, and I get the idea. He wants to keep it on a single plane. But it's just so bizarre to me, and that coupled with the muscle, he looks weird out there, man. It's strange. He looks so weird. So before we go down that road, I'm actually really glad you brought up Brooks Kepka because they already had kind of this banter back and forth, like maybe a media rivalry. And I think this should bolster that rivalry because Brooks and Bryson are the polar opposites in the world of golf for the reasons you just mentioned. But but I have kind of a, a compare and contrast. So Brooks Kepka, he's he's a very natural athlete. He's a gifted golfer, and he's taking advantage of that talent. And not to say that he's not a hard worker and hasn't earned his spot. He absolutely has. But clearly, it is much more natural for Brooks Kepka than it is Bryson DeChambeau. Like you said, he's not too interested in golf. He's not a golf nut. He's not obsessed with golf. He's just, you know, it's just his job. He's chill. He's go with the flow. All of his clubs are different lengths. Then you have Bryson DeChambeau, <laughs> who I don't think – I think this is a compliment to Bryson to say he's not, compared to the rest of the PGA Tour, a talented or skilled golfer. He's just the guy who I, I want to say he probably works as hard as anybody else. He's more obsessed with his game. He's more – he does all those little things, all those calculations, everything that gives him his reputation for being the, the golfing mad scientist. Like I think – in his mind, he has to do all of those things just to be able to cut it on the tour. And so for him, he's like the the, the runt who has fought so hard just to be able to, to hang and to keep up with the rest of the pack. So I'm, I'm all for Bryson. If you can't get behind somebody who's that hard of a worker and that dedicated to their craft, um, you know, the, then, then you're a hater. But I, I just – I don't know how you can't respect the effort he puts into his golf game. I see what you're saying. I don't necessarily agree because the hardest worker of the Tiger Woods era, you could argue it's Tiger Woods for obvious reasons, but it was Vijay Singh. I mean, Vijay Singh was the psycho who would go out and win PGA Tour events by four shots and then immediately go to the range and hit a thousand golf balls with a glove tucked under his left arm. I didn't necessarily like Vijay Singh more because he was a hard worker or the narrative was that he was a hard worker. I don't necessarily think that Bryson DeChambeau is more worthy of my praise because he is, quote unquote, a harder worker than Brooks Kepka. Brooks Kepka has seven PGA Tour wins. Bryson DeChambeau has five PGA Tour wins. Four of Brooks Kepka's wins are major championships. So is that good? It's good. It's, it's not good. bad. Yeah, Phil Mickelson has five for his career, just for okay. point of reference. Okay. So I don't think it's fair to say Brooks Kepka isn't worthy of our praise in the same way that Bryson is. I would argue that, and I think this is just going to be our personal perspective because you're more of a Bryson guy. I'm more of a Brooks guy. I love the idea of a golf anti-hero and. Not that Brooks is sort of villainous, but he is anti-golf in sort of the same way that Rory is because they don't fit into this mold of how a professional golfer should act, how a professional golfer should talk, how they should conduct 
their social life. They are outside of that box. Whereas even though Bryson is an outsider, he is an outsider in the confines of a very strict golf construct, right? Like he is super into analytics. Before he even won a PGA Tour event, his first sponsorship deal with national commercials was with Microsoft Surface and how he can use data and analytics to improve his game. Meanwhile, Brooks, he's doing beer commercials. It's the t- like now he's he's doing the Nicolas Ultra Nicolo. beer commercials. So I know it's not bro. it's not natural light or anything like that, but still it shows the differences between those two guys. I enjoy Bryson. I think he's like a weird science experiment in human form. And these two just remind me of, this is going to sound like a negative, but it's not. It reminds me of a quote. I dropped this on the golf course just a couple days ago. It's just one of my favorite quotes. Phil Mickelson had that epic appearance on Faraday where he's wearing a leather jacket and just being super Phil. And the quote was, to be a great golfer, you either have to be really smart or really dumb. And I think Bryson's really smart. And I think Brooks is really dumb. But I don't think Brooks is dumb in a pejorative way. I don't mean that in an insulting way. I think that he has this ability to shut the part of his brain off that we all feel that Colin Morikawa felt when he missed that short putt in the playoff and in the 72nd hole. Brooks makes both those putts because Brooks is dumb in the way that he doesn't feel the pressure that the rest of us feel in these crazy tense situations. So I don't really know what I've arrived at here, Nick. I just enjoy Brooks Kepka's brand much more than Bryson DeChambeau's. Right. I I don't disagree. I mean, if they're if they're paired together in the final round of a major, I'm probably rooting for Bryson because I can more relate to the guy who's less talented who's just trying to outwork his his differential. But I think you need to have both styles of players to make either of them interesting. Because if golf was just a bunch of DJs and Brooks, we'd be like you know, what the hell are we doing here? And if it was just a bunch of Bryson's, you know, I don't think anybody would watch. So I think you have to have That's the those, bars those... golf tour. <laughs> Seriously. So I think you have to have both types of players in order to make it interesting and compelling, which I think the PJ Tour could use more of. So Bryson being jacked and being 20 to 30 pounds heavier of pure muscle and then coming out here and contending – in a, in the first tournament back that everybody's watching, I think is great for fans. I think it's great for the product that we watch on TV. I'll give, I'll give Bryson credit in this respect. All of the risks that he has taken in his very short professional career have been borne out through the results. I remember watching him winning the NCAA individuals and they talked about how analytical he was and the scientific approach. Then it comes out on the PGA Tour, and it's the same sort of thing Tiger got that where, well, you know, Tiger was able to do this in college as an amateur, but he's not going to continue to win at this clip as a pro. And the same narrative was around Bryson, right? Well, he's going to be able to do this same length of club in college, but once you get to the pros, you can't do that. Then Bryson played well. Then he had this stretch where he won a bunch. And now he adds all this muscle. He comes out and he contends right away. I mean, he's, he's, he's one shot out of a playoff. So – the next logical step for his evolution to continue to be justified in his weird going in the laboratory way about him is to win a major. And we'll have some coming up at the end of the year. We'll see if he competes. I hope he does. Bryson and Brooks in the final group of a December or November, September. When the hell's the U.S. Open? I don't know. It's in the fall, right? Yeah. Yeah, whatever it is. It's in the fall. If they're in the final group, that's fabulous. 
I agree that it's a good rivalry, but Bryson has to win a major or two before it actually becomes one. Yeah, it's it's a, like I said, it's a media rivalry. It's it's on paper. It's those guys, you know, bringing each other up in their in their press conferences and interviews and kind of the verbal back and forth. Um, but it's interesting. Yeah, obviously the resumes, there's no comparison, but um, it, it's still interesting and it makes it interesting. It'll be fun to follow Bryson and see what happens just because this, you know, this muscle gain, this body transformation is not only the body transformation, but it's also symbolic of Bryson is going to continue to research and find out any possible thing he can do to his game. Who knows what it's going to be next year or five years from now, or, or maybe when he's in his late thirties and he's trying to extend his career, what he comes across, you know, I think it's just going to define his whole career, not one specific thing, but just the mindset of what can I possibly do at this stage of my career to give myself an advantage that nobody else has thought of yet. When I first saw him, I thought he was wearing a back brace. Like it looked so mm. abnormal from a human. Was, was he wearing a shirt? He was wearing no, but he was wearing a shirt that was like all light on top. Then yeah. it had a, a, a ring on the bottom that was black. So I, I thought so too. I'm like, what is he doing? And then I just realized he was jacked and was wearing a weird shirt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you want to get into Xander Schauffele a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I don't have too many notes on Xander other than just watching him look like he was in control of this tournament and then somehow not quite win it. Yeah, I mean. He looked solid. He missed that putt on 17, which is what ended up costing the tournament. But he made that incredible 30-footer. He dumps it in the water on 15th, the middle of the fairway. So so at that point, he had the outright lead, I Correct. believe, by one? Yeah, he had it at 15, and no one had made it to 15 yet because Berger, Berger ended up uh, birding the 72nd hole to post-15 and then get in the playoff eventually. But Xander Schauffele made a 30-footer for bogey. On 15. So, Nick, this made me think, would you rather make a 30-footer for bogey or a 30-footer for birdie? No context. I'm not going to tell you how you were doing in the round. I, you're going to give such a logical Nick answer, it's going to annoy me. But please, Why would I want to make a bogey when I could make a birdie, Joe? I'm going I'm to go with a score that's two strokes better than the other one. Yeah. No, no, I completely understand. That's a logical choice. I'm trying to choice. lower my handicap. I'm not a sandbagger here. <laughs> Unfortunately, it, that is the wrong answer. Much rather make a 30-footer for bogey. Because nothing – I guess the way I look at it is this. To make a 30-footer for bogey, you you are standing over that putt and thinking, am I going to three-putt for a triple bogey right now? Like, this is a difficult putt. Do I try to get this close? And when you roll that bad boy in, the pep in your step that you get as opposed to – because knocking in a 30-footer for birdie is found money. You don't expect to make a 30-footer for birdie. Not that you're expecting to make a 30-footer for bogey, but you feel as though you have saved two potential strokes because you eliminated the three-putt, the doubles out of the equation. You just saved a bogey, and it was a great bogey. You're going to run to that next tee box. You make a 30-footer for birdie. It's cool. Birdies are so fun, and they're hard to make. It's a circle on the scorecard. I understand it's two strokes less than a bogey, but making a birdie from 30 feet is found money, whereas making a 30-footer for bogey is the sort of thing that can keep your round going. The momentum is still there. You are in this round still. Yeah, I don't think I've ever stood over a 30-foot bogey putt and thought, I'm going to three-putt this. I just <laughs> – I just – 
keep a positive mindset on the green. I approach every putt like I'm going to make it. And I I certainly don't think when I'm putting for a five that I'm about to write down an eight. Well, see, that just speaks to the tortured nature of my golf soul that I'm standing over a 30 footer for a five. Actually, I made a hell of a bogey putt the other day. That's probably why I put this in there. I had a downhiller that bent like two feet left to right from 12 feet. And I poured that baby in, and I and I had made a birdie earlier, and I erupted on the bogey putt like, let's go, baby. Let's go. So awesome. I'm probably a little biased. Uh, two other guys I want to talk about from this tournament, Nick. Uh, Jordan Spieth and Harold Varner the third. Who should we begin with? Jordan Spieth. Yeah. So the curious case of Jordan Spieth got a special I, I exemption just... in his Please go ahead. Oh, sorry. I just I just wanted to ask you this question um, about Jordan Spieth, and then maybe that can kind of set the tone for, for where this is going to go. After this week, and especially after watching him today, has your stock in him gone up or down? It stayed the same, Nick. It's absolutely stayed the same. Uh, my my opinion about Jordan Spieth hasn't changed at all. Even if he wins this week. It, it, it makes me feel a little better about him, but I don't think it would change much either. This is a golf course that he was playing on the PGA Tour when he was 16 years old. This is like one of his home tracks. I don't think we can look at this performance and say, oh, well, Spieth is back, or, oh, well, Spieth gagged it down the stretch. He finished top 10 in an event that he could probably finish in the top 10, even if he wasn't playing that well. He was in the final group on Saturday. He had to lead by himself at one point in the back nine on Saturday, and he finished ninth. Jordan Spieth is still in the exact same place in my mind that he was four days ago. I'm worried for him because he clearly is as good as anybody else out there, but I just feel like at any moment a train wreck is about to happen, and it does with him. And you can tell when he hits his shots and there's the the mic right there, you can tell he – Instantly talks to his caddy, and there's just a lot of tension in his voice. He'll strike the ball. Like, oh, Michael, oh, the, the wind caught that. Well, you know, he just seems so tentative and, like, scared of his shots. And there's just tension in his voice. And it's not just relaxed and letting it happen and, you know, who, you know whatever happens, happens. He just seems so, like, he's pressing. Um, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I just feel like anything could happen at any moment. And he did also have a four-putt. Um, earlier this week, which is not a good sign. As a man who has fought his golf game for the majority of 2020, I can relate. Jordan Spieth is a man who's fighting his golf game. And to my earlier point, I think it's possible for him to get in the final group at this golf course and kind of be fighting stuff. And he was playing very well for a stretch, but like you said, he four-putted, didn't really turn it on today. He had a chance to win today. I think if he would have shot like 66, he would have won the golf tournament. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I think that's my point is – I think if he was out of contention today, he would have shot 66. But I think the fact that he was in contention is why he shot 71. I mean, he had three good rounds, and then today he shot over par. Yeah, I just – in my mind, Spieth is still where he was at the start of this event. I just don't think he is anywhere close to where he was. Um, one, of, one of my buddies who just started following golf recently, at, he's like, hey, can you tell me about Jordan Spieth? And I was like – How much much time do you have, buddy? I mean, I was – it's funny because I was just flipping through the podcast feed uh, for At The Turn, and we had an episode like 13 episodes ago called Will Jordan Spieth Ever Be Good Again? I mean, we were talking about this a year ago. 2015, 
it's kind of a long time ago now. That's five oh, yeah. years ago, Nick. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I think Spieth is what he is. There's some demons that he's fighting. I don't really know why. I hope he overcomes them. But this doesn't change where he is in relation to where he was, as far as I'm concerned. No. I mean, he, he's not the player that he was at one time. It's a completely different person. Um, he has the talent. He's got the game. I hope he can turn that corner and be another guy who's winning regularly and you have to, you know, take into consideration. But until he gets a win, like I can see him getting a win and then building momentum, but I think it's going to be hard for him. I think his next win is going to feel like his first win. Yeah, no, I think that's right. Uh, the other big story from the week, not so much on the weekend, was Harold Varner III. Uh, he hit all 18 greens and shot 63 on day one. Followed up with another good round in day two. He was in the final group with Spieth yesterday. Couldn't really get anything going over the weekend. For obvious reasons, a lot of people pulling for Harold Varner III. I don't think we've had a black winner on the PGA Tour other than Tiger Woods this century. So considering the state of the world right now, the fight for racial equality and just all the tension going on in America, I think a lot of people were pulling for Harold Varner III. Couldn't really get it going this weekend, but hopefully a sign of things to come. He's been kicking around the tour for a long time. I think he's has like over 150 starts without a PGA Tour win. Solid player. He's always, you know, gets his card, but he's just not one of those guys who's gotten over the hump yet. And hopefully this is a good sign of things to come for him. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been at the top of leaderboards or on, you know, the front page of leaderboards a lot. Um, it was awesome to see, you know, how much support he was getting on social media over the weekend, you know, going into that Saturday round. And he was in a late, a late group today. And I think he was one or two off the lead going into the last round, which was, which was fun to see after that front nine. We didn't really see him too much, but, um, there was so many guys, you know, within one of the lead, you know, it was a lot, a lot of those guys who cheat off and, you know, one or two out of the lead. We didn't really see most of the day, but, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll continue to see him. It'd be awesome to see him get a win. Um, and, and kind of build that momentum. Incredibly deep field. Do you have anything else on Colonial before we move on? Um, it's not necessarily Colonial, but I do want to talk about Tiger Woods. Oh, okay. I have Tiger Woods stuff coming up in a little bit, so why don't we okay. pause on that. Folks, I don't know if you're getting back out to the golf course. I am starting to. I can't put a full round together. It's very frustrating. Um, Nick, how's your golf game right now? Um, it's, it's not bad. I, I, I played, I got the shanks this weekend, but before that I had been striking oh. it so good all year. Oh. But I think, I'm not, I'm not worried. I think they'll go away. I mean, you should, love your optimism. You shouldn't be worried. I'm not worried. And Nick, do you know why I'm not worried? No, please, I'll please write me. Why. I will tell you why. It's because I am equipped with the most important thing a golfer can have. It's not a fancy new putter. It's not a $700 driver. No, no, no. I have the best rangefinder in the game. I know the precise distances to the flag. My numbers, even though I can't execute with the irons, I know how far I'm supposed to hit it. Good news, because we are partnered with Precision Pro Golf. Nick, they're flying off the shelves. They can't keep up with the demand. It's incredible. The the people have spoken. The people love their Precision Pro rangefinders. So we're going to get you how much off the rangefinders? $200? How much off? 
Tell me again. $20 off $20. any sale price rangefinder. Joe, right now, the NX7 Precision Pro rangefinder, which is their most popular model, normally $220 worth every penny. Right now at precisionprogolf.com, it's on sale for $169.99. We're going to save you $10 off any sale price rangefinder. If you go to precisionprogolf.com right now, use promo code at the turn, you'll get that NX7 rangefinder for $159.99. Sorry, I'm choked up. That was such a good read and sales job. You almost killed me with that, Nick. That was incredible. Uh, yeah, please go to Precision Pro. Get those rangefinders. Make sure you use the coupon code at the turn at checkout. Uh, Nick, I guess one more thing on Colonial before we get to Tiger. Do you care that there wasn't fans there? Mm. It seemed like the CBS crew cared a lot. As a TV viewer, I couldn't care less. I actually, if, if CBS wouldn't have talked about it so much, I might actually not have noticed. Yeah. Like, that's exactly I've watched right. European tour golf or whatever, some of the side tours where the, you know, groups without the marquee players, you know, there might be a couple people here and there, but it's not, it's not like football where it's third and seven in the fourth quarter and you're in, you're down by five and you, you know, you have to get it and the crowd is like an actual factor in the game. It's just like, you know, if somebody makes a putt, you don't hear a couple claps in the background. Like, I, I don't know why it would be such an emphasis of the broadcast. Yeah, and Xander Schauffele even said in his post-round interview that he was mad about missing the putt on 17, but he probably would have been more mad if fans were there because there would have been oohs and ahs. So he was able to recover and just play 18, which I thought was kind of interesting. It didn't make any difference as a television viewer. I, I couldn't have cared less. I love how Nance's whole stance on the thing was, hey, you know, normally you can hear roars coming from above you. And you know what guys ahead of you are doing, but today there's no roars, so you had no way of knowing what else is going on the golf course. Yeah, they still have giant leaderboards everywhere. <laughs> I'm like, are you serious right now? I know. There's no way of knowing what's going on on the golf course? This this whole idea that golfers don't know where they stand on a PGA Tour event, I played in a qualifier for the Oregon Mid-Amateur, and I can follow live scoring on my phone and know where I stand and where the cut is. If I can do that... These guys know exactly where they stand at all times. I think it's completely bogus. So I got. I know we weren't planning on this, but I got to no. take this one one step further. How would you feel about a Ryder Cup with no fans? Yes, would you rather? Actually, the, the question is: Would you rather have a Ryder Cup with no fans or no Ryder Cup at all? I mean, I guess it depends on how soon the Ryder Cup will be played after that. Because if we're going to say, okay, no Ryder Cup in September of 2020, but we are going to get one in September of 2021, I'd say put it off a year. I would. Okay. But if but if it was either play it or we're not on this year at all, we're we're just going to twenty twenty two, we're just skipping one. I think I think that is the most it's really the only event that I can think of where fans are necessary for enjoyment for the television audience. Because so much of it is this is nothing like golf. This is nothing like any tournament. People boo, they cheer, there's soccer chants, people are going crazy. That's such a big element of it. And for PGA Tour events, even the Masters, like I know the Augusta Roars are so big, and I understand how important the patrons are. And if anyone who can get us tickets is listening, we'd love to come. But I just don't think that it makes a difference other than these team events where the crowd atmosphere 
is so much of it. Yeah. I My first thought with the whole Ryder Cup thing was, like, yeah, obviously just play it. Like, who cares if there's fans or not? But the more I start, you know, looking at what some of the guys are saying, like Rory's like, no, I don't want to play without fans. And most it sounds like most of the guys don't want to play it without fans. And being the Ryder Cup, I definitely get that. And if you could play it in 2021 and then have another one in 2022 and then get the fans there, I suppose I would be okay with that. If you could play it in 20 with like 50% fans, 40%, I'd, I'd probably prefer that. I just, I don't want to miss the Ryder Cup this year. I, I'm looking forward to it. No, I understand. Um, I feel the same way, but just, man, those crowds are so. Yeah, it's, it's important. I need someone to boo Ian Poulter. I just, I just needs to happen. Um, speaking of the CBS broadcast real quick, what are we going to do about Nick Faldo? Do we frame him for murder? Do we kidnap him? Like, what can we do? Do we sign one of those, you know, change petitions to get him off of CBS? We have to do something. I can't take much more of this, Nick. As much as I dislike Jim Nance, he is fantastic <laughs> next to Nick Faldo. It is a exhausting broadcast to listen to him. Why not just have Ian Baker Finch in the booth with him? I don't you don't like Nance? No, Nance is a big phony baloney, but that's an entire podcast. That's I can't, fine. I can't it's golf. Take it off on that. No, it's not just golf. Jim Nance is a phony baloney with every aspect of his life, whether it's the NCAA tournament. I don't, I don't, I don't want to okay. get into the Nance thing because I can okay. go off it for a long time. Let's Faldo, focus um, on Faldo. I don't know. I didn't know you were so passionate about this. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be honest. I, uh, when I'm watching golf, I'm just. I'm like maybe 75% there, maybe half there. Um, you know, definitely not a hundred percent there. So it, it really doesn't bother me. I don't, I don't really think that Faldo has ever gotten me fired up. I mean, I could see that. Um, that's just, that's just kind of your personality though. I can't imagine a broadcaster just going about their business as a broadcaster and you having like a really strong reaction to anything they were doing. <laughs> I don't really, I'm not a big fan of, uh, Bill Walton, but other than oh that. Oh, my God, that's the one you think. Oh, no. Nick, I live in Portland. We got a Bill, sta- Bill Walton statue in my front yard. I remember one time I, I had to text you and be like, what's it like living in a place where you have to be a fan of Bill Walton? Yeah, we love it, bro. He just rides his bike all around the city. Yeah, we we love Bill Walton here. He was I would love to hang out with him. I just don't like him broadcasting my college basketball games. All he wants to do is talk about the Pac-12, and it's like it, – ACC SEC matchup. <laughs> I understand. I, I understand. We've we've digressed so far from golf. Yeah, this but back I'm to your bring point. Us back no, in. I'm not framing Faldo for murder. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I'm not interested in that. He, he like, can carry on. That was our premise, which launched into that conversation. Uh, next two PGA Tour events coming up are going to be in Hilton Head, South Carolina, for the RBC Heritage, and then River Highlands, Connecticut. After that, Nick, the reason I bring that up is because there was some news this week made about your boy, Tiger Woods. Are you familiar with this news? Yeah, I, I love that Tiger Woods got moves and, like, Twitter blows up. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, he's obviously going to play the RBC in South Carolina. There's no other place privacy could be headed. He's going to go and get himself some privacy on in South Carolina and – Obviously, he's playing, and then the deadline on Friday comes and goes for him to commit to the tournament, and uh, no Tiger. 
Okay, so if Tiger's yacht is called privacy, what do you think Phil Mickelson would call his yacht if he had one? Like, what would be the one word? And I don't have a prepared answer. I I just thought of this right now. So Phil Mickelson's yacht, Tiger's is called privacy. I mean, is Phil just called bombs? (laughs) Phil, um... I'll give you a second. Happy early birthday. Maybe knowledge. I would say Phil's yacht is called knowledge. Because he just likes to share how much he knows, not because you're interested, but because he wants you to know how much that he knows. Mm. Okay. Knowledge. That's not I don't bad. know. That, that, that's, that's all I got, like, right on the spot. I, I'm Look, sure we could think of a better one. Yeah, if, if, if at the term patrons out there want to let us know what Phil Nicholson's yacht would be called if he had one, he may already have one, for all I know. Um, okay, Nick. Well, you were in the middle of a, of a birthday shout-out. Yes, I was. So by the time you're listening to this, it may have already happened. We're recording this on June 14th, and I believe a week from today, Phil Mickelson turns 50 years old. This will be – no, it's sooner than that because this is the last tournament Phil Mickelson played in his 40s. Did you catch a glimpse of Mr. Mickelson this week? Oh, boy, the shades. <laughs> Reflective aviators from Phil Mickelson. Yeah. Just look he is at- the coolest 49-year-old on the block. That's uh, funny. Guy I play golf with this weekend said it's weird that someone is cooler at age 50 than they were at age 30. But I think that's where Phil Mickelson has landed. He has gotten cooler yeah. as a golfer the older he's gotten. No doubt. I mean, I so, think he's just more in touch with being cool. That's fair. Well, probably because he's less in touch with winning golf tournaments now, more in touch with like <laughs> social media and all that kind of stuff, all the periphery things. So talking about Tiger, talking about Phil, Nick. Do you remember back in the day? I mean, this is almost ten years ago now. The quest well, for Tom Abbott. Are, are we are we done talking about Tiger? I have. Um, I wanted to ask why why is he not playing? I mean, is is it his health? Is he saving himself for this massive fall run of like major tournaments every week, or why, why is he not playing? I just think it's a matter that this isn't a course that he usually plays, and he probably doesn't play it very well or know it very well. I think it's as simple as that. So he never plays feel like it. Yeah, I mean, because this this tournament traditionally is after. I think it's I think it's the week after the Masters traditionally, and they pushed it back. And so Tiger never plays the week after the Masters. So I doubt he's played in this tournament in the last ten, fifteen, twenty years. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think it's in the normal rotation. So, so no that. big deal. No big deal that he he hasn't like announced a schedule or that he's not playing and missing the first two events back after all this and. Apparently he's healthy. He played in the match. You're not your your panic button is not going off. NBD. Did you see him strike the ball in the match too, Nick? He's fine. I, I, did. I got no. No, I did. That's why. That's why I thought for sure he was going to come back and start getting piling up those dubs. No. Nah, I, I think. I think he's saving. I, I think he's not going to play in these meaningless tournaments. You know, maybe one or two warm ups. You got the PGA Championship coming up, and then you've got this run from late July until November of actually important tournaments and so i think he's just gonna maybe one or two tune-ups before that and then just hit hit as many of those as he can no i mean I'm, I'm looking at the schedule right now the one he's gonna come back in is july 16th through 19th the memorial tournament that's nicholas's tournament in ohio do you think he that'll be his that first one. tournament i i think so he, he he dominates that place he's won a bunch of times the tournaments before that let's see we have rbc the travelers the Rocket Mortgage Classic. I wonder if Ricky Fowler's going to play in that one. Uh, the John Deere, the Barbasol, and then the, the Memorial. So it's a bunch of tournaments Tiger I think doesn't the John play. John Deere got canceled. 
yes. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so no, John Deere will scratch that one from the list. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's the one that he comes back for. And then they have a World Golf Championship in late July after the Memorial. So I would say late July. Look, we're going to get our Tiger. We got our fix already. I understand you're excited, but there's a lot of okay. other people to be excited All about. Right. I'll chill. I'll chill. But a valid question. So, Nick, where I was going earlier, uh, for those of you that don't know, and for those of you that were in the Palouse and do know this, God bless you for sticking with us through all these years. Nick and I used to host a sports show on AM radio called The Sports Show with Nick and Joe. Did very, very well. One of the things that we had had on that show was a running bit called The Quest for Tom Abbott. Now, Tom Abbott, if you are a fan of the LPGA Tour, you know exactly who that is because he is the booth announcer. He is the Jim Nance of the LPGA Tour, essentially. Has a wonderful British accent. He used to also be the host of The Big Break, and Nick and I got a real kick out of him and really wanted him to be on the show. And, Nick, you're probably wondering why I'm bringing this up I was out on a run earlier today, and I thought, you know what? It's really easy to try to book people. It's hard to actually get them. But the efforts to go out and get communication and go through the proper channels to get someone, we have those readily available. So I submit to you a challenge that we should now take on over the summer. Are you ready? Yes. I'm calling it Bag the Whale, okay? Okay. You... Go after Tiger Woods. I go after Phil Mickelson. And we see how we do throughout the course of the summer communicating with their people. We can update on the show the communications we receive from them. See how close we get to you booking Tiger Woods for this podcast and me booking Phil Mickelson. What do you think of that challenge? Bag the whale. Well, I think um, there's a huge difference between how public – Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson are, so I think you're kind of stacking the deck in your favor there. I mean, you might just DM Phil on Twitter, and he might be like, sure, when when do you want to do it? I'm free next Saturday. <laughs> you know? Well, <laughs> do you want to do you want to have someone else besides Tiger then? Yeah, I mean, somebody who at least has, like, voluntarily spoken to the media at some point in their life. I mean, you have Not to... Not that we're media. Okay, but it has to be... You can't pick Daniel Berger. Like you got to pick someone <laughs> who's got some meat on their bones. We'd you know love what I'm to saying? have Daniel Berger. Yeah, no, for sure. I, all right, I'll, I'll think of somebody. But do you like this idea? Are I, you, are I you love willing it. to do this. This I is do. I, absolutely. I mean, sports communication. Speak of a leg up. This is this is the, you know you yeah, getting but, people and communicating with people. This is this is what you do. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Okay, so you're you're into this. This is something who, that we. So can who? Do. So okay, outside of Tiger, yeah. Who, who should we get? Who, who's comparable to Phil? I mean, he he's he's kind of incomparable, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, why don't? Well, it's gonna be tough to get Brooks after all the slander we just did. Why don't you try to get Bryson? Okay, I'll try to get Bryson. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I can talk shit to him. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can get Bryson on the pod. You want to try to get Bryson DeChambeau? Yeah. Okay, I love it. So we're going to bag the whale, or in Nick's case, Bryson DeChambeau. That's going to be something that we're going to try to do throughout the summer. I'm excited for it. I think it should be fun, Nick. Yeah, no, that's going to be great. So what the hell is coming up? What do you want to talk about next? That's all I got for this episode. Well, I was really excited to actually watch some PGA Tour golf. I mean, I... Normally, I probably wouldn't have watched as much as I did this week, but since it was the first week back, so many good players in the field, um, such a good leaderboard going into today, 
Um, yeah, I think I'm going to keep following that and we'll see what happens. I always like to bring some flavor from the golf course onto the pods, my own personal struggles. So, you know, I'll, I'll hit the links and uh, see what I can bring back. I think that's great. We'll bring a little flavor back. Maybe we'll get another trivia night in there. We'll keep it flowing. The golf season is here. It's mid-June, for God's sakes. Hey, look, if you're out there, I don't know if you experienced this, Nick, but I have to talk with people. Hey, let's just, you know, we text. We agree we're going to stay away from each other. No fist bumping. The bow has become the thing instead of, like, fist bumping or, you know, even elbows. and Just, just stay away from me. People still creep up on me, and I try to, like, back up whatever they get close. Point is, just – it's – you know what's really easy to do? It is so easy to stay six feet away from somebody. Easy to stay ten six feet away from somebody. Not that far, yeah. Six feet is not that far. Just stay the hell away from your playing partners. It is so simple to do. That's all. That's my little rant. I see so many people on the golf course just standing right next to each other. There's no damn reason to do it. I saw a guy the other day in front of me pulling the pin on every hole. So we, we've got no no touches. So you've got, yeah. you've got the, the styrofoam thing and everything. In every cup, he's pulling on every single hole. I'm like, what is this guy doing? Like, my only explanation is he's already had COVID and recovered, and maybe now he's immune. Like, I don't know why else you would be so ignorant and just be touching every single flagstick. Freedom. Touch the flagstick <laughs> if I won't. Yeah, there's, you're giving that guy way too much credit. I guarantee you he's not making a conscious decision to touch the flagstick because his body is chock full of antibodies right now. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all I got on on, uh, on golf for now. We'll be back soon. We'll Maybe be we'll back soon. Again, Precision Pro. Get those fancy rangefinders. They're screaming deals. You heard Nick tell you about them. Coupon code at the turn at checkout. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at the turn.